Welcome back to another episode of Dream Slayer's RPG podcast, actual play of Christopher Gray's great American novel, Devil's Canyon. In this episode, the heroes get to the bottom of the mysterious incantation that fell from Elias's medical book, discover a rival gang on the move, gather materials for the Tazimeter, and Lillian is visited by a pair of mysterious characters who come bearing a dangerous proposition. This podcast is produced by Speak and Tell Studios in Evansville, Indiana, and we thank them for their assistance in getting our little production out to the masses. Be sure and hit that subscribe button for all of the upcoming adventures from Dream Slayer Studios. Let's see what happens in Devil's Canyon Chapter 4, Fight for Liberation. So one thing that we had to do at the beginning of last session was kind of fast forward through the little confrontation between Bill and Roland Hazard. He had showed up after the seance and had basically called you out. If we could maybe play through that scene real quick, just so we kind of know what happened and, uh, and then we can catch up to where we are in the current timeline. Uh, so you had stepped out to speak with Roland, uh, who was calling you out from, uh, uh, from the church after the seance. And he, I think the last words that he had spoke uh, to you were something to the effect of, is that you underneath that beard? Um. Well, yes, it is, Roland. Uh, wish I could say it was nice to see you again. <laughs> yeah, same here. So what brings you about these parts? Uh, well, though it doesn't seem like it's working very well, I uh, was hoping to get away from all that stuff that uh, I assume that, <laughs> I assume that you, uh, you're addressing. Yeah, it looks like you picked the wrong town to settle down in. Sure seems like it. There's, uh, there's all kinds of crazy stuff going on. Uh, you know, Roland, there's not much, not much we can do to change what happened before. But uh, I, I reckon it's probably best to just uh, let sleeping dogs lie and, and each go our separate ways again. Well, you didn't know too much about that fellow you shot down in the streets of Santa Fe, did you? Well, I knew he was giving me trouble, and he was with you, and it uh, didn't end so well for him. It's about, it's about all I cared to know. That's true. And then you shot him, and you run off. I'd, I'd prefer to think that I was defending myself. <laughs> but uh, looks like the years have uh, treated us differently. So you're welcome to remember it whatever way you need to, Rowan. Well... What I remember is some no-account coward shooting my brother down in the street. Well, that may be. But, uh, again, like I said, he was threatening. Y'all were threatening. He went to draw first, and I took care of it. That's how you see it, eh? That's right. Well, you know what? I'm going to give you a little chance here. You're free to stay up here. Well, I... But... I don't, I don't know that I need your permission, Roland, but uh, thanks all the same. <laughs> you best stay out of my way. But what, what way would that be? Well, you said you've seen what's going on in that town, right? What's your opinion of what's going on in that town? 
I think you can figure that pretty good. Mm-hmm. I think I can figure you pretty good, and I think I know you well enough that you're probably going to stick your nose into some business that it doesn't need to be stuck in. That might be. I guess things shall remain to be seen then. I reckon that, and you can go ahead and head back down the hill back into town. Now, let's do our best stay out of each other's way. I think that'd be wise. And he uh, hops on his horse and he trots on back down the hill. It was at about this point that uh, you retired everyone for the evening and everyone went about their merry little way. And Lillian, I think uh, you, if you recall, you had been reminded that the following night there was to be a performance for the uh, Callahan family, the Coyotes. And uh, so there was some discussion about, you know, exactly what you were going to do. And I didn't know if there had really been any, any decision made about what approach you were going to take to your performance for the evening. So perhaps we need to at least get that rolling so that we kind of know where we're heading with that. Well, I turned that over and over in my mind for a bit. And in consultation with some of um, the crew, came to the conclusion that Cornelius Callahan, um, since he's grieving for his two sons, would appreciate being put in touch with them. And that if I can put on quite a show, that maybe we can make fleeting contact with them just enough to whet his appetite. And I'm willing to use all the trickery and bakery and showmanship that I have at my disposal to make sure that he's drawn in and maybe we can leverage his interest in connecting on a more deeper level with his sons um, to get what we need to get the tazimeter up and running and located where it needs to be. And if, if there's a gun involved and shenanigans in that sense, like whatever we need and whatever I can figure out we need, maybe we can try to get those things in place. That's where I'm at. And Julius, you've been given the plans for the Gatling guns uh, that are set to arrive at some point today. Yes. Did I? Can I share those with you now? Oh Did yeah, sure. You already? Mm-hmm. Did we already look at those? Yes. I don't know if we looked at those or not. Did yeah. Th- yeah. I think we did look did at we those. Look at yes. those last time? Mm-hmm. I'm not sure if we did. Okay. Good. Mm-hmm. I just want to make sure that that's what you were talking about. Yes, we have the plans right here for the Gatling gun. Mm-hmm. Uh, and Elias, what, what were your plans after leaving the um, general store? Uh, I got to go back and take care of the girl that's all injured. At okay. The place. And basically tend to her and make sure everything's all right there and kind of await Julius coming to get me to build a Gatling gun. Mm-hmm. Okay. All right. So why don't we start then with Elias heading back to the doctor's office there? The me, which doctor's office? My me doctor or a different doctor? The dead, uh, the, the, doctor? the doctor doctor's office. <laughs> oh, the cholera uh, doctor. Yeah. Did the doctor died. Didn't he die? No. Still no, he's alive. not dead. He's he's at the mining camp. And he put you in, oh, he put you in charge of things because he was dying, dead. Yeah, he gave me a book, so I just Google stuff. <laughs> okay, but he's not dead. He's still alive. As far as he we is know. still alive. Yes, yeah. That's uh, Doctor O'Malley. Looks like a butcher. He looks good there. He does look good there. Yeah. Maybe I should have colored him a little green 
or yellow jaundiced. Yeah, he's looking good. I don't recall the name of the girl who I'm taking care of, unfortunately. Oh. It's been an exciting couple of moments. Was it Ava? Yeah, I think that's right. Am I back at the doctor's office? Yes, sir. And Trudy and Ava are both there? Yeah. Ava is still laying down. She took her into the, the doctor's bedroom and later in the bed uh, there after she was able to kind of move, you know, enough to, to get her in there. So she's, she's resting quietly and she's asleep, but Trudy is there. How is she, how is she faring? Well, she seems to be wrestling, what uh, resting? Well, uh, her breathing is still a little labored, but she seems to be stable at this time. We'll take that as good news then. Are you holding up all right yourself, ma'am? I'm I'm doing okay. I, I slept off and on throughout the night, but uh, I was trying to keep as close an eye on her as, as I could. I, I wanted to make sure that she was all right. Well, I do appreciate it. I just had a run-in with young Mr. Waverly, and well, I, I didn't give him a full piece of my mind, but I did let him know that what he did was bad for overall business and hopefully he will take that to mind if the man thinks of anything perhaps it will be his money yeah that may be the only thing he thinks of yes i understand is there anything i can do for you right now N no no i uh i suppose i should probably get back over to the brothel and I'll, I'll send one of the other girls over here to look after ava that would be mighty kind. If you're able to spare somebody, then, then please do. I'm afraid my afternoon appears to be getting rather full lately. Well, as I said before, you let me know if there's anything that I can do, and I'll be there for you. You, you did quite an amazing thing last night, and, and I will be forever in your debt. Thank you, Trudy. Uh, Miss Trudy, I, I truly do appreciate that. And if, if at any point something came up, I will certainly let you know. But for now, you just... Worry about Ava and taking care of your girls, and, and I'll do the same. I will. Thank you. I'm, I'm going to go check on her now and, and make sure she's comfortable. Okay. Quick question. Mm -hmm. Who has the little document that fell out of the medical book? I think I still do. Do you still have that? I thought I remembered you saying you put it in your pocket when you went down to visit... Um, the doctor at the uh, at the mining commune. Yes, because I showed it to Dr. Julius, and he deciphered Vumbi and Nvumbi. Mm -hmm. Oh, yeah. Mm -hmm. Okay, so you do still have that on your person, then? Yes. yes. Okay. All right. Miss Tipple, what do you do? Uh, I think you and Lillian and Julius had kind of run off to kind of escape the the gaze of Waverly Callahan and I maybe I should maybe go to all three of you what uh, what what did you do like right after that I went back to the hotel too. okay and what do we want to accomplish in the meantime uh, and, until the next little event happens to crop up um, I'm gonna spend my one plot point. <laughs> Okay. So um, I think the three of us go back to the hotel, and as we go in the front, 
um, the gentleman at the, I don't know if it's a gentleman or, or a lady at the front desk mm -hmm. says that she has a postcard for me. Mm -hmm. And uh, I take the postcard. It's a picture of Abraham, like a drawing of Abraham Lincoln. And there's no writing except for the hotel address. And okay. it's blank. And so I look at Dr. Julius and I say, uh, Dr. Julius, um, do you happen to have a candle handy in your, in your room? Of course. And I think the three of us go to Dr. Julius's room. Oh, excuse me, I really hadn't, didn't know you both were coming. I leave you outside in the hallway for a moment while I <clears throat> go in and make the bed and make dust things off a little bit and arrange things. And in about three minutes, I say, yes, yes, please, please come in. Sorry, sorry about the wait. All right. <laughs> so sorry. <laughs> so we wait until you call us back in there? <laughs> yeah. Yep, in the hallway. Uh, Dr. Julius, are you okay in there? <laughs> yeah, we're all good. Now everything's fine. Yes, please, please come in. Everything's fine. You're, you're welcome to sit where you would like. Sit on the bed. Thank or you. Thank you. I just, need a, I just need a candle and a book of matches, please. It is, is it, of course. And I open the near the bedside drawer. Uh, some instruments are there on the bedside table, and I open it. Just some random tools, and I open it. A couple books are there too, uh, and I open it and hand you the. Um, the hand you the. You see an edition of Edgar Allan Poe there, actually. <laughs> and a Shakespeare. Completed works. Complete works, third folio. Hand you the, uh, and I hand you the um, candle. Thank Does you. Does he have to roll to find out how impressed we are? When I spend a plot point, they aren't. That's a, that's a, that's a slam dunk. <laughs> he does his best. He does his best. I do my best. <laughs> okay, so I take the candle, and I light the match, and I light the candle, and I take my postcard, and I run the, the flame over the postcard, over the blank postcard, and a message appears as it's been written in milk so no one can read it. When you apply the heat to it, it appears. And the postcard says, be aware, Luke Shorty Studenmeyer gang expanded their territory, currently encamped at Montrose. They've commandeered the train station. Many are coming. What's his last name, Luke Shorty, what? Studenmeyer, S-T-U-D-E-N-M-E-I-E-R. I ask you what that means. What, how do you, do you know these people? I have heard of Luke Shorty Studenmeyer before. Um, back in the Pinkerton Home Office, we have many files of as many gangs that we know of. And we have a list of some of the names of the members. His name is very well known to me. He in uh, his gang, their territory is pretty much the Four Corners area, but I want, it sounds like they're the rival gang that the Coyote Gang was talking about. Mm. <clears throat> Are they really bad? Say again? Sorry. I wondered if they're really bad. Should we be scared? Oh, very scared. Luke Studemeyer is, he's formidable. He's an expert marksman. 
Um, I don't know how big the gang is now, but he had about 20, 20 hands before. He gets rid of people pretty, pretty easily out of his gang now, so it could be less, it could be many more. Could you read the note one more time, please? Yes. Be aware. Luke Shorty Studenmeyer gang expanded their territory, currently encamped at Montrose. They've commandeered the train station. Many are coming. Many what do you think are coming? Many more of the gang or many something else? Is that not what the spirits told us at the seance? Many that are coming? Is, that is what we heard up at the Pueblo. Well, this is from home office. This is from Mr. Pinkerton himself. He, we're very close. He, that's who I write to. Maybe he knows something. Maybe the Pinkertons are coming. Maybe, I don't know. Maybe it's more gangs. I don't know. I don't know what it means. But couldn't we use this perhaps as an opportunity to lure the Coyote gang to the train station and just get them both in a little meeting together, let's say? Well, what time did they say that the guns were arriving in the station? Did they tell you? They said sometime today. But we don't know a time, the time the train is coming in. So if, they have, if they've commandeered the train station, what do you think they're trying to get? The guns? Yeah, <laughs> that's what I think. But so if we tell the Coyote Gang about this, then the Coyote Gang will go to the train station and stop them from commandeering the guns, which means perhaps we might be able to solve some of our problem. If we get them all out of town? At least a few of them. I mean, if we can take a few out, you know, always put your enemies together. <laughs> Let them fight it out? Yeah, that's almost a quote. Almost. Art <laughs> of war, have your enemies fight each other. <laughs> how would we convince them and how, how do we tell them that we know this? I can't blow my cover. Mm. Mm. You can't <laughs> blow your cover, can you? No. And we've only learned about the machine guns arriving through them. So they know when the train's arriving. That would make Perhaps sense. Perhaps we could convince them that security is needed to make sure that the package arrives here safely so as many of them should go to pick it up as possible. Then we get them all out of town. And well, I'm consulted on the case, so I could say if you really want us to put the gun together, we want to be assembled, we need to make sure the gun gets here safely. And these days, you can't be too cautious. Right. But encourage them to bring as many of their friends as possible to pick up the gun. I think that's a good idea. <clears throat> Are you willing to do that, to put yourself in that position with the Coyote Gang? Yes, I think I'm already in that position, given that I have to assemble this gun for them. So why not go a little deeper? So we don't hurt anything. I think that's a great idea. Lillian? Now that sounds, comments, ideas, what do you think? No, that sounds like a great idea. I'd say that in general, I can convey any information on the premise that it's a, a message from beyond, but I'm not sure the timing is right because I feel like the gun is probably, the train is due in the station probably before our show, but 
I mean, if it, if it seems safer that this message come from beyond, your advice is very practical. You know, you can't be too careful. That's absolutely true. They'd be, they'd be silly to not follow that advice. But if you need me to reinforce the message, I can try to get that to them. I just don't know that they'll pay any attention to me. I'm a woman. Mm. You think we should say the message is from beyond that we've learned of this or will they just think we're crazy? I will say that Cornelius Callahan has shown a particular interest in the magic and fortune telling portion of your show, which is why he is kind of forcing you guys to continue to perform for them and keeping you in the town uh, for his amusement. So Lillian's, I think, gut feeling is, is that he is a believer, you know, at least to, to the point where, you know, it's captured his fancy. Okay. So the gang's coming to the theater tonight to see your show, is that correct? That is correct. Town Square, yes. Mm -hmm. Town Square. So perhaps we can embed the secret message in the show itself, you see, that perhaps if there's a reading, the reading can say the package arriving at the train station tonight will be like a sort of pretend that we don't know what the meaning of it is. Put an embedded secret code that they will get and have it come from beyond. And what, what is our goal? Do we want the most of them that we can convince to go to the train station, to go to the train station, or yes. for... And if they all hear that something's wrong with their package, that something's happening, maybe they'll go try to get, I don't know, get their package. Could that be a possibility? <laughs> yes. What time does this train arrive? <laughs> and what time is the show? I'm so confused. <laughs> I think the show usually commences yeah, around right. 7 p.m. The show is after the train arrives. So, Lillian, can you go? Can you go to Callahan himself and tell him that you have a message for him, and then he can tell his gang to get out of town. Yes, he may still yeah. want to come to the show. He wants to speak to his sons. Right. right. If I if I leave here now and make my way back to the the troop, so I can gather my props, um, I'll stop on the way if I can find Cornelius in town and give him the message that I've received a message about the train or the package or something cryptic. And then, but I, yeah, how smart is he? How could I will go with you and say, if, if this is really true, you need to send as many people as possible to pick up the package, which we both know what that is. Mm-hmm. Okay. We can, we can be together with it. You see? But I want to keep him in town? No, we want him all to go. We want him all, all to go, don't we? Don't we trying to get rid of this thing? <laughs> you know what? Right? Are we trying to get rid of them all? I think we're trying to get rid of them all, but I said I wonder if Callahan himself, Cornelius, will want to stay and speak to his sons no matter what. He seemed pretty upset the other day. Ah. Earlier. Can we gain the upper hand if we keep him in town but send most of his men to the train? Can we kidnap him? Why not? Maybe we can get uh, Bill to help. Where is he anyway? Bill? 
think I, I think I'm still up at the Pueblo. He's it's, always up at the Pueblo. He's always up at the yeah, Abbey. I'm kind of a homebody. Iglesia up there on the hill. <clears throat> Let's see. All right. You two, maybe you want to go talk to Cornelius. I can try to go talk to Bill and see if he can help us. Okay. Okay. Let's go to Miss Tipple and Bill first. Now, I assume you're going to traverse the cave again to try to get up there. <laughs> To I go in secret. However, I won't be seen. Yeah, that's that's so. the best way not to be seen for sure. Trudging through the cave. Okay. That's not how those bobcat babies are doing, are they? <laughs> no cougars. I I assume that uh, Bill is, is, is dug a shallow grave for them. <laughs> <laughs> those those have been processed accordingly. <laughs> Breakfast. <laughs> This is going to be the one thing we remember about this game is those poor, <laughs> poor dead cougar babies. <laughs> Desperate times. Bill have a new little hat on. <laughs> Sorry, hat on. A bunch of tails, little tiny tails. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, instead of just one, like. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's a memory I'd like to forget. Okay. So he's inside the church. Where are you at? I'm going to knock on the yeah. door wherever you're at. Knock, knock. Bill? Yeah. Bill, it's Alice. Can you come out and talk to me, please? Uh, yeah, sure. Well, you're, you're welcome to come in. Forgive the mess. <laughs> pick up your books and things. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> I know that Shakespeare's around here somewhere. <laughs> uh, Bill, we've got a, um, a bit of an issue. I mean, besides all the other issues we have, I've received a postcard from the home office from Mr. Pinkerton himself, uh, warning about a rival gang that is in Montrose. Um, I'm aware of who this gang is. I may know a couple of the members, uh, some of the names on the list I may have recognized at some point. I, I don't know who's in the gang now though. Uh, it says that they have uh, commandeered the train station. That means uh, they probably know of a couple of Gatling guns that are coming in on that train that the Coyote gang have ordered and they want Julius to put them together. This gang, the Luke Shorty Studemeyer gang, that's the man himself. They're pretty, pretty scary. I would say they're, they're usually more in number than the Coyote Gang. And they kill their own members pretty often and gain new members pretty often as well. So this is a problem. And Julius and Lillian and I have thought that we might tell Cornelius from the beyond that uh, the gang needs to go to Montrose so we can get them out of town. They can confront the other gang. But the idea was maybe Cornelius stays in town so that he can speak to his sons and we can kidnap them. Okay. Uh, so this, uh, this, this shorty gang, you think they, might they end up being worse than the ones we got already? 
It's very possible. Luke Studemeyer has killed dozens of men, sometimes just because he didn't like the way they look at him. Uh, he's wanted in several states. And the other thing is that he was a former Confederate captain. So his gang started out with uh, as a, a group of Confederates that just plowed through the Southwest. And they got nothing well, to lose, basically. Yeah, I, I mean, I'm, I'd be happy enough to get rid of Cornelius and Roland and the rest of those fellas. Uh, but uh, I'd, I'd worry about re replacing one with another. You reckon to try to try to pit them against each other more more than more than they already are? That's what Julius said. I don't know though. I don't know if there's a way that we can get the guns before them. You ever robbed a train, Bill? <laughs> I haven't, um, but I do. I do agree with the that fancy doc in town that uh, I think at at least if you can if you can get the gangs against each other. At least they'll they'll thin the thin the numbers a little bit on either side. The trick would be getting it to where neither of them suspect that you're the one that put them there. Exactly, and I'm not sure how to do that. I you know I wonder you know that fellow that that came up here last night, uh, Roland. I wonder if I might not be able to make an appeal to him, and and somehow you know be the guy that tells him that they need, he needs to take some, some guns up to Montrose. You know, Bill has, you know, um, sorry, you know, Roland Hazard? Uh, you could say that. Um, we, uh, I shot one of his fellas a few years ago and honestly he kind of has it out for me, but just wondering if there's not a way that coming from me, it, it might mean something to get him up there. Maybe like an olive branch. You're offering him vital That's, information. That that's what I'm thinking, that uh, you know, kind of as, as an exchange for shooting his fella. That uh, and you know, because I, I I do want to make things right, and I do want to kind of get out of all this. I I just wonder if he might take that bait. Well, if you're willing to try that, why don't we uh, go and speak to Lillian and Julius and see what they think? Would you mind coming back into town? Nope, not at all. We'll, uh, let's head back that way. Are we riding on Clyde? <laughs> cool. back into town? Yep. <clears throat> all right, so we trot down the hill, back into town, tie the horse up, and do we, we head back to the hotel where the others are? Yeah, and I think probably at this point, uh, Dr. Julius has changed uh, to his afternoon outfit. Um, <laughs> probably took a good, you know, 30 <clears throat> minutes or so. Maybe you spot them as they're coming down the stairs. Dr. Julius, Bill yes. has a plan. Let's go somewhere private and talk. Should we, should we get Lillian as well? Yes. Okay. Right, she's with you, right? Is she walking down the stairs? I assumed so. Okay, that's what I thought. Julian, Julius, Dr. Julius, please, let's go somewhere private so we can speak. Of course. Someone's room? Who's room? I don't know, what do you think? Who's got a big enough room? 
Julius probably I, has the uh, has the suite. my room again, but I need another moment, please. <laughs> <laughs> take take all the take all the time you need. <laughs> okay, we're in my room. What are we going to talk about? What's up? Do you want to tell well, him? Well, uh, Miss oh, Miss tells here, me Bill's here too. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Oh, okay. Good. 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 Miss Tipple tells me that um, there's a a second gang, and and told me the whole story about the Gatlin guns and the train station and the Shorty gang and all that. And uh, of course, I figured rather than rather than putting any of you folks in danger, maybe I could try my hand at getting uh, getting the gang, the Coyote gang, to go up there by talking to Roland. And how might you do that? How might, like, what would your plan be? Uh, he and I had a discussion the other night that, uh, you know, kind of about our past. We have a, a, some shared experience where I, I shot one of his, one of his fellas. And uh, there's some hard feelings, but uh, I have expressed to him my wish for sort of uh, making amends and, and getting out of that life. And I reckon he might be able to uh, take a tip from me that that those gangs' interests are are in danger, and that they should head up to the uh, head up to Montrose to secure their wares. And I thought rather than put either of these ladies at risk or yourself, that uh, we might try that first. Well, that sounds like a fine plan to me. What do you think, Lillian, Miss Tipple? I think if the Coyote Gang can take out the Shorty Gang will be in better position to deal with the coyote gang. Excellent. Lillian, what do you think? That works for me. Um, can I, just, I also ask just how far Montrose is from, from where we are? 15 miles. Did you say it was a half day ride? Eh, a couple hours, probably. Couple hours? We better get going. We better move our plan forward quickly if we are to hope that they get into the train station when the train arrives. Right. So uh, I reckon I should head over, uh, talk to Roland. He can usually be found in the gambling hall, Gold Strike Gambling Hall and Hotel. So it's really just connected to the hotel itself here. Okay. Well, um, I'll leave leave the horse where he is and just uh, sort of head over there and see if I can find him. Okay. Going into the gambling hall, it's not as lively as one would, uh, would normally assume a gambling hall would be, uh, simply because of the state of affairs here in Devil's Canyon. But there's a, a few folks playing cards at some of the tables, uh, and Roland is seated at a table uh, with uh, Jacques Luffy, uh, who is our little friend that uh, that set up the whole Gatling gun deal, and Cornelius and his brother Sherwood. And then there's two other uh, fellows that are seated at the table sweating bullets right now, because uh, it looks like they've probably been forced to play with these guys. I uh, try to try to walk in in such a way that I'm, I'm visible to Roland. 
so that he can notice me first rather than me having to call him out. Mm -hmm. Yeah, he uh, he's <clears throat> seated pretty much right across from uh, from the front entrance as you come in, uh, and as the doors part and the dust flies in, you know he you definitely catch his eye. So I there's a there's a bar in there too, I assume. Yes. Mm -hmm. So I uh, sit down at the bar and and order a drink, mm -hmm. and um, try try to match his eye or catch his eye. And um, just kind of give him the highest sign to come over here. All right. He finishes up his hand, lays it on the table, and uh, and he gets up and and starts heading over your way. As he's as he's walking up, I'll take out my gun and just set it on the bar, just mm -hmm. sort of as a a sign of uh, no aggression intended. Still within reach, but not not at the <laughs> not at the draw. Yeah, he comes over and he puts his foot up on the uh, the little foot bar at the bar itself, and he says, "Well, didn't expect to see you so soon." Well, Roland, you know, after our our little talk last night, and got me thinking. You know, I know we've had our our differences, and we we certainly. Certainly had conflict in the past, but uh, considering my, you know, this this peaceful life I'm trying to live, um, I thought I'd try to extend an olive branch to you if you're willing to hear it. All right, I'm listening. Well, I understand that uh, you fellas got a delivery coming in by train today or sometime soon. Is that right? Where'd you hear that? Well... I took a ride up to Montrose, and uh, I don't know that you'd be too happy with what's going on at the train station up there. I just thought I'd let you know in the interest of goodwill. Are you trying to uh, navigate others here, I think? Hmm. I think I'm going to have you roll for that. That's a personality roll. <laughs> Figures. Uh, <laughs> all right. So, and you are you are rising still, correct? Yes, um, I, I think I'm at a plus three. Oh, okay. So do I do I roll both? I roll two die, right? Yes, both dice. Uh, I rolled an eleven, and my well. personality my personality is negative one. Oh, okay, okay, all right. So that's still a ten. Um, so you still have uh, full narrative control. So you can tell me how Corny, uh, how uh, Roland responds. Well, I, being as, as earnest and convincing as I was, Roland is hesitant, but you know I can tell that he's he's definitely interested in in the information, you know, because of how important that cargo is. Um, and so you know he's he's willing to listen to the rest of rest of my story. And I, I just give him bits and pieces of, of what I actually know. You know, some, some gang from up north, some about some guy named Shorty or something like that. He's got about 30 guys at the train station just locking it down, waiting for the train to show up. And uh, like I said, I, I don't know who he is. I heard, it, heard the name Shorty, but um, they, they've got a bunch of well-armed men up there and. I reckon they aim to take 
take what you got on the train. And uh, Roland goes back to the table and kind of whispers in Cornelius's ear and they all leave the table and then I don't, I don't follow them, but they, they, they leave and I'm not sure where they're going, but I expect that they're going up to, to take a crew up to Montrose. All right. So you do see them head out and I think it did Miss Tipple and Lillian, you guys were still with Julius at the hotel, correct? Hanging out in his uh, room, his messy room, apparently. Okay. Uh, no, not, not messy, not messy. <laughs> just just reading, reading books. Elias, at this point, you probably, uh, you know, maybe have had the opportunity to kind of check up on Ava, make sure that she's stabilized, and one of the other ladies of the night come over, comes over to take over the next shift of, uh, of looking after her. Uh, so what do you want to do in the meantime? This would be happening, you know, while Bill is in there talking to uh, to Roland. Um, how much time do I have? How far away is that mining town where I left the note for the doctor? Um, how long does it take to get there? It doesn't take very long. Ten, you know, ten minute walking. So okay, I want to pop down there to see if he's got any. If he's left me a note, because I left him a note. Okay. So all right. Yeah, you get down there uh, with, uh, surprisingly, you know, the streets are really even maybe a little bit more barren than usual, and you don't see anybody really scouting uh, from the Coyote Gang's standpoint uh, like you did last time. And sure enough, there is another letter up there for you. Oh, letter. Correspondence. I hope the doctor's doing all right. Let me, let me see what this says. What does it say? It says, Dear Elias, oh, my friend, I regret that you have stumbled across that wretched piece of parchment. I had long thought it lost. I should have burned it ages ago, along with the book from which it came. Some ten years ago, after the death of my beloved Catherine, I came across a Negro peddler who seemed in desperate need of shelter and care. And in exchange for my services and learning of the recent loss of my wife, he gave me the one and only possession he considered of value, a book written in a language foreign to me. I accepted his gift with gratitude and curiosity got the better of me. And after several, mother, uh, several months of searching, I met a former slave that was able to reveal to me the true meanings behind the ancient texts in that tome. It is some form of dark African witchcraft. She called it Vodun. What that man gave me was an ancient book of the dead. That particular passage, God forgive me, was one that I could never bring myself to destroy because at its core, it is a ritual to supposedly raise the dead. Now, I was never foolish enough to attempt to speak the words myself, but somewhere deep in my grief, I believe I have held on to the hope that therein lies a secret beyond what I know to be true. Part of me yearns to hold on to the hand of my dear Catherine again, but I know that can never be. Do us both a favor and reduce that page to ash. Forget that you ever saw it. I should have done so a long time ago. 
Oh dear. It appears we've stumbled upon something rather sinister. Oh, I should burn it. I should do exactly what my friend asked me to, but I shall think on it. I need to leave him a note. Uh, I'm going to pull another little piece of paper out and scribble something down. Uh, good doctor, developments in the town are rather tragic. Uh, I'm caring for Ava, uh, one of Trudy's girls. She took quite a beating and punctured her lung, but it seems to be stabilizing and doing well, all things considered. I shall take... I, th I thank you for your your correspondence and for the clarity and the letter that I found within your book. I shall take to heart your request to burn it. I hope that you are doing well and that we shall see each other again soon. All the best, your friend, Elias. And then in quotes, I put Doc Carver. <laughs> oh no, that's presumptuous. <laughs> Scribble. <laughs> You always make an ass of yourself, Elias. Oh, I think you'll understand. It's just a joke. And I fold it up and I pin it to the post and I mumble off. I should get back to town. Perhaps Dr. Julius is looking for me. At least that man is a real doctor. Elias, always reaching for the stars and tripping over your own feet. I just toddle back then. Uh, but I continually read his note particularly the passage about raising the dead and and what it potentially can do the whole time I'm walking back. And as you're walking back and, and reading the note over and over again, you feel almost like a faint warmth in your pocket. Mm. Kind of put my hand on the outside. That's where the mm -hmm. note's at. Mm -hmm. It is. Strange. It's amazing what the mind can do when you... When you seem to lose control of it. I swear there is a heat coming from it. It's almost like the text is alive. Oh, and as lies. you round the corner, you see Roland a, Hazard. Sorry, go ahead. Is that a Necronomicon, or are you just happy to see me? <laughs> <laughs> you see Cornelius Callahan and Jacques Luffy and Roland Hazard coming out of the casino and they seem to be moving with haste up the street uh, and around the corner to where you kind of know a lot of the gang kind of uh, has commandeered uh, an, an old ranch there just on the outskirts of the main street. They seem to be just a tiny bit in a hurry. Hmm. Well, something strange is afoot. Oh, I don't typically see them move so fast. I wonder what has happened. Oh, I, and Bill, I, I, what are you doing now that they've left? I'm going to sit there and finish my whiskey and uh, wait for... I, I think he, he's assuming the others will come down from the hotel room or whatever to, to see how it, how it went. I'll go down to the gambling hall. Is that where he's at? The gambling hall, right? Yes. Mm -hmm. We'll go down for a drink. Elias, you spot Alice, Miss Tipple, coming out of uh, the hotel and then just rounding the corner there to go towards the uh, the gambling hall. 
<clears throat> oh. You were in my restaurant. Shouldn't we all go for a drink? Should, are you proposing we go get a drink right now in the middle of the day? Go get a drink, everybody. Oh, let's go get a drink. Yeah. Well, we all go, of course. If she's, she's not going to leave the room and say, we're going to go get a drink, and we're not, of course, we're all going for a drink. <laughs> okay. You see the three of them coming out. Oh, excuse me, Miss Tipple, Miss Lillian, Dr. Julius. Um, it, it's me, Elias. I have an interesting development on that paper that I found, uh, but it, it appears as though I've, I've perhaps missed something in town. I, I just saw part of the gang leave, and they seem to be uh, in a bit of a hurry. Do you know of any new developments? What is happening? Yes, Elias. Um, come inside. Let's get a drink, and we'll tell you all about it. Oh. I'd say that's good news. <laughs> yes. Oh, I seem to have missed quite a bit. Have you all spent all day together? <laughs> oh, well, okay, let's go inside. I think a drink could do do us all quite well. Um, may I join you? Yes, come on. Oh, great, thank <laughs> you. <laughs> thank you. Oh, we should come up with a name. <laughs> Perhaps when this is over, we can come up with something clever. Dr. Dr. Julius, you seem like a well-read man. Well, of course we can, Doctor. Oh, great. Uh, okay. Perhaps the doctors. <laughs> I'm sorry. I digress. <laughs> Please. <laughs> After <laughs> all the consumption. <laughs> After you. Uh, I follow them into the gambling hall. All right. And Bill is seated at the bar, polishing off a glass of whiskey. Oh, Bill is here as well. Oh, nice. <laughs> is there a bartender here in the bar? Yes, you know, there is. And who is this? Is this, the, this is a different place where we've had drinks before. Different place, yes. Who's our bartender here? Could you mind? Who's the, uh, we walk up to the bar and um, inquire as to who the bartender is. Uh, Larkin Donnelly. Larkin Donnelly. Mm-hmm. Um, is it? Larkin, is it, sir, is it possible to, do you have bottles of champagne here? Oh, absolutely. Is the champagne a, a mere sparkling wine or is it from the La Champagne region of France? From where? From the specific region of France, where La Champagne region of France, Champagne region of France. Is it from the Champagne region or is it just labeled as a champagne, a sparkling wine? Can you bring a bottle for us, please? We would, we would I, appreciate a bottle. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, the champagne is on me. Yeah, I got something with bubbles in it. Hang on. Fantastic. He uh, brings over uh, five glasses and uh, a, an unmarked bottle and pours <sighs> it out, and it is kind of a greenish-yellow color. Well, that's what we have. <laughs> Uh, could you bring a bottle of whiskey as well, please? Whatever you say, sir. Let's drink the whiskey. Don't touch the champagne or whatever that is. <laughs> so uh, what developments have I missed today? Uh, things seem to be happening. Well, the, uh, some of those coyote fellows are headed up to Montrose to uh, have it out with uh, the gang up there. Oh. In, in protection of their uh, cargo. Yes, the gun. I'm aware of there's a gang in Montrose. Miss Tipple, you, un 
need to fill Elias in. I received a postcard from um, the Pinkerton Home Office telling me that um, a particular gang had taken over Montrose and they've commandeered the train station, which leads us to deduce that they're after the Gatling guns. Oh, what a curious development. <clears throat> so, so the gang is going to Montrose, I suppose, to fight? We hope so. Oh, this, this may simplify everything. Oh, exciting. If it works. Do we Not know? everyone's leaving town, so. Oh, who's staying? Do we know? Do we know? <laughs> I, know. Well, I, I saw Roland and several others leaving the gambling hall and heading in that general direction. Well, Cornelius <clears throat> wants to speak to his sons at the seance tonight during the show, the performance. Oh, yes. So we assume he'll be here. Wouldn't that be a... A stroke of good luck. Well, this is rather exciting. Uh, a shame that I missed it all earlier. Flash, <laughs> uh, you said something about um, the paper that you found? Oh, goodness, yes. I almost completely forgot. I, I stopped by the, the, the mining town to, to see if there was a note from the Dr. O'Malley, and I had posted a message about the note that I had found in his medical journal about the, the Vumbi and the... Mm, the boom. I apologize. I have trouble pronouncing it. Uh, you know what I'm talking about. The Nvumbi. It turns out that, well, he wrote me a letter. Let me just read you parts of it here. Something about dark African witchcraft. It apparently came from an ancient book of the dead. A particular passage that I, that I found that we have been trying to figure out what it means. He wishes that he would have destroyed it. Apparently, it is a ritual that is supposed to be able to raise the dead. Now, I don't know if I believe this, but the doctor is a learned man, and, and if he had true beliefs that this could possibly have worked, he even notes here in, the, in, in his note that he was too scared to try it himself, that he was afraid of, of what might happen. And he's asked me to burn it, to destroy it forever, but I just have a feeling like Perhaps that's not the right thing to do at this very moment in time. Not with so much happening and so much on the line. Oh, Lillian, would you care to take a look at it again, or, or Dr. Julius? I'm happy to gather around and, and take a closer look. Yes, here's the note from the doctor that explains it a little bit better. And then I have the original here in my pocket. That, and I kid you not, it almost feels alive. And I, I lay both of them out on the table. <laughs> Isn't that interesting? That's the same reaction that I had, Doctor. Oh my goodness. It seems to me that this isn't from any African tribe at all. This is actually French. It appears to be, let me, this is difficult to explain, but the French at this have been colonizing Africa, in Western Africa. And this actually appears to be not from the region itself, but by the handwriting, it looks like it's actually from Europe, from the French. Can you so read bringing it? Back from the dead perhaps isn't, as we would think, from the darker parts of Africa. Are you it's saying maybe this is a mistranslation? Not sure, it just doesn't seem, it seems more as if it, 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 
the sources seem French rather than, it seems like something else is going on here. Are you trying to use your knowledge of, uh, of the French language to try to interpret that? Yeah, I think I want to spend a, spend a plot point. Okay. And that to interpret the letter as having come from the French colonizers of Africa rather than from sort of people in Africa. From the Congo itself. People, yeah, the people that are these sort of people bringing back the dead are not the people in Africa, but rather the French colonizers of Western Africa. Mm -hmm. They are experimenting with these things in Africa, but the strange goes back long ago in Europe rather than in Africa. Okay. They are pulling from things in Africa, but it's the French colonization sort of using the people of Africa for their own ends. Just kind of shift it culturally a little bit. See what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. So that we take it back more to ancient Europe rather than into the regions of Africa. Okay. And then with your knowledge of the French language, why don't you roll uh, a satiate because we're kind of taking care of a need here, which is to kind of get to the bottom of this particular script. All right, what am I rolling? Satiate, which is instinct. I rolled an eight. And you are rising, correct? I am rising. Mm -hmm. And, and satiate is, oh, I thought it was, what am I rolling? Satiate? I thought I had personality, morality, instinct. Uh, it's an instinct. Yes, I'm sorry. Oh, so I'm plus one on that, and I'm plus two rising, so plus three, so I'm eleven on that. Okay, so you got narrative uh, control over the translation. Yeah. So the the source is French. Going back, these experiments seem to have gone back in the. I have knowledge, at least, the experiments have gone back in France through the medieval ages, through the monasteries of France, and even back before that. And that the French somehow, by going down to Africa, have been doing these experiments in Africa that are using their language and sort of they're trying to make it look like it's not coming from France. But it's actually European and French. And do you want me to translate that for you? Yes. Okay. Now, before I do, uh, I have to backtrack for just a moment. Since you uh, succeeded in that role, you do get a plot point and a plus one to your arc. And Bill, uh, you get a plot point and a plus one to your arc for succeeding in your role against Roland. Cool. And where does that put both of you guys now? I'm at plus three. Okay. Uh, plus four. Okay. In translating that, the words kind of reveal themselves to you, and, and you kind of have to put two and two together a little bit to kind of put it into terminology that really makes sense. So you may be maybe just a little off uh, in your translation here, but what you've come up with is the following. Brittle bones and rotten skin decaying in the tomb you're in. Dead flesh, shamble for the cause, 
take back our world what once was. Dead brains come alive, overthrow the current reign. Nevermore you'll be a slave. Fight for freedom from the grave. I agree with you mostly, except I think your word freedom, I think the translation in French is closer to liberation rather than freedom. So just letting you know that I think your translation might have been a little bit off on that. I really don't know. You're really talking to yourself because that's your translation. <laughs> I'm just playing with so, you. So you may correct yourself if you like. Yep. <laughs> Can you read the last two lines again? Uh, Nevermore you'll be a slave. Fight for liberation from the grave. Thank you. Yeah, so that's what it says. What the heck does that mean? Is that a poem? It doesn't even rhyme. Probably mispronounced again. It should be again and rain. Yeah. So it does rhyme. So. <laughs> <laughs> so, first of all, that's amazing, Chris. But um, everybody, what do you think overthrow the current rain means? What would the current rain be in this situation? Well, I suppose it would be the Coyote gang. They seem to be the ones in charge, correct? But isn't this an ancient text or is it a modern text? That oh, is an ancient text, yes. You were speaking for the time it was written. I apologize. I'm sorry, where did this text come from? Where did you get this, doctor? I found this in the, in the medical book that Dr. O'Malley gave me. According to him, he was giving it to... It came from a, a book that a man gave him as payment. It was the only thing that he said he had of value and he could not afford to pay the doctor. So the doctor accepted it graciously and over several months he translated it and realized that it was a book of the dead, essentially. Okay. He found a, a former slave that was able to help him translate it uh, as best as he could. I, I don't know how accurate the translation was or how much the doctor truly understands, but, but that is apparently uh, where it came from. I found this one particular page uh, hidden away in the lung section of the medical journal that he gave me. Lillian, could this be an evo evocation of some sort? Could it be a kind of what you might even think of as a spell? I, I think it can be. It, it looks like a rallying cry or some sort of um, something you would shout from the rooftops um, or, or whisper in, in dark corners to bring someone over to your cause or to, to raise some sort of spirits. Um, the, oh, wow. It's very powerful words. I mean, it could, it could be very specific. You know, I mean, Elias even heard it speak to him in, in his current, um, you know, situation with the Coyote Gang. But it also is very universal. Oh, it's much clearer in the original French. <laughs> <laughs> yes, it is. I mean, it, it speaks to, to throwing off shackles, whether, whether that's of this world and, um, you know, evil, evil governance or throwing off the, the, the corporeal shell that houses our spirits. Mm -hmm. Would you perhaps try it in your show? 
Is it too dangerous, do you think? I mean, is it something worth exploring? Or should I burn it as the good doctor asked? No, 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 we don't want to burn it. The other possibility is when we light the test meter, we use it at the same time. Sorry, could, Kurt, could you say that again? Well, in my theories, energy is time and space. Energy is somehow related to time and space. And the reason I want to build a tasimeter here at the particular time of the eclipse is to capture that intense energy from the sun in that moment, that focal energy in the tasimeter, which will give us energy like we've never seen before, captured in one space. Then the idea is to see if we can bend space and time or open a open something in space and time. I know it sounds crazy, but if this is indeed has magical qualities to it or otherworldly qualities to it, wouldn't hurt to read it at the same time, would it? It might be an interesting experiment. Well, I mean, what's the worst that could happen? I think it, you know, we want to, there are more things in heaven and earth than are dreamt of in your philosophy, Horatio. We want to find out about those things in heaven and earth, don't we? So why not? Bill? I don't know. All this, all this stuff makes me pretty uneasy. If it's, uh, it's anything like what happened up at, the, up at the Pueblo the other night, I don't know. So it kind of gives me the heebie-jeebies, quite frankly. I think it might have the desired effect in that case, because if, if we are trying to achieve something at the precise moments of the eclipse with the tazimeter, um, we may want some sort of incantation to give the, the heebie-jeebies to those who might come for Julius in that moment or try to knock over the tazimeter or stop whatever's happening. I don't know what will happen, but if there's something that can keep their attention or keep them transfixed, then, then maybe, maybe it's worth trying. I think it's fate, destiny. We are here at a particular moment in time, the time of the eclipse. We've all, been get, we've all gathered here at this given moment of time. We have a means of harnessing the power of the sun. And this has fallen to our hands at this particular time. It all has to have some purpose, some meaning, some connection, doesn't it? It would seem so. I'm on board. Just let me know what it is I can do to help and, and I'll be there. I'll make copies of this if, if I need to just in case we happen to lose it. With your uh, magic photocopier? Oh, no, I'll write it out <laughs> by hand. That would but, be the, helpful, the, but the translation. For us all to have this in hand. But I think this is for the future. I think right now we need to worry about, don't we need to worry about this train station? Well, I suppose. I thought you all took care of it. You were sending the we coyote gang up there. I don't know. Did we take care of it? Did someone take care of it? Did we take care of it? Who took care of it? Well, we, we, we got the coyote gang to go up there. Oh, we did. Yeah. I'll probably be gone for a while. I don't know how long, though. Yeah, I figure if it's half a day up there and half a day back, if they make it back, that buys us a little bit of time at least. So should we put on a show to save the town? Where did you guys go? Did you go back? At, you're back at the... Uh, Only gambling hall. Gambling hall, right? Okay. Yeah. Okay. Just trying to keep tabs of where you are. Okay. So is there anything more to do at this point? We've kind of reached a, the end of a discussion, I think, as far as the train station and this page from the, uh, the Book of the Dead. 
Yeah, my sense is that if all of the coyote gang or the, the top echelon and all, all everybody went to the um, train station at Montrose, then the show might be postponed since the show is for their, their benefit. But if Cornelius and any number of them stayed behind, then possibly the show is going on just to a smaller audience. And until then, I, I have nothing more to do but prepare and meander about town, have cups of tea, you know. Okay. Cornelius left with Roland and them out of the gambling hall? Yes. Mm -hmm. okay. So are, are we going to disperse for a little while and kind of go our separate ways? Dr. Julius, is there anything on the Tasmeter that we could be working on while we wait? Oh, we still need to assemble several additional parts. I have a list here for, every, for that I still need to collect. Um, so I'm not sure where to find these pieces. If you could help me with that, that would be. Oh, absolutely, yes. I, I know everybody in town. Perhaps I could call in some favors if I think somebody might have something or. Let me just What's share that? it with you all here. Here's the list. And if you see anything on here that you can acquire these, the about seven more items that I've had trouble acquiring. Do any of these, do you see play? Once we can acquire these, we can start building it. The blacksmith stores um, a lot of his extra metal bits and crates and things in the entrance to that cave we went in. Well, take a look. Maybe there's something do, in there. do we have all seven of these or do we need to do something else? Do you have a list up there? No. Yeah. Do I have a real list? No. Yeah. Okay. All right. That's fine. Just was checking. I Theater of the mind I, at this point. I didn't know if I missed something. So. so Elias is going to attempt to help you try to come up with a few things. Miss Tipple, you were going to help participate in that. Is that correct? I'll help him. Lillian is going to continue to gather her accoutrement for the uh, performance tonight. Uh, and Bill, then uh, what's on your agenda? I'm, I'm pretty handy. I, I figure if uh, you guys get the parts you need, I can help you put stuff together. Oh. I'm mechanically inclined. Thank you. I mean, if you want, if you would like to see, it's really not a list. It's really sort of a diagram I have here of the larger tasimeter we'd like to build. And I can say that, um, you know, we'll need to, you know, there's several parts that we'll need here. Uh, if you can see, we will need uh, this piece, this gear right here. We will need this. I don't have this coupling mechanism. And this is very hard, but I, this kind of V-shaped apparatus, very difficult to find. And, uh, and most of the pieces here are the last of the seven of this apparatus right here. So to be specific, those are the pieces we need. Well, the coupling, perhaps we could, uh, it may be dangerous because of the outbreak, but I could go and leave another note for the doctor and see if perhaps there's anything in the mining town. If, if perhaps if they found any oil or anything there, then perhaps they would have something that we could use for that, or even for that strange counterweighted V-shaped ball thing. I mean, perhaps somebody there could, could fashion something for us. The four of you guys, uh, Julius, Elias, Bill, and Alice, uh, can go about the town and try to help to gather these materials. And I'll get back to that here in a second. For Lillian, 
where are you heading first? Are you going back to the hotel room? I think I may have already what I need from the hotel room. Okay. I'd be heading back toward either the stage or where the theater encampment is to okay. make sure that everything there gets to the stage. You head back up to the encampment and the magician uh, and the rest of the troop are there and they too are busying themselves to get ready uh, for the evening. The great man Coney uh, spots you as you're coming up the hill and he waves at you and kind of calls you over. Hi, he said, and Coney. Hey, hey, the great. He says that um, I, I noticed that there's a bit of a commotion in town um, and uh, Cornelius uh, sent one of the gang up uh, to speak with us. It looks like right now, it looks like we're all trying to get ready for this evening's entertainment, but at this point we're kind of packing things in. It seems that uh, the performance tonight is canceled. Uh, he, he did not make mention of the reasoning behind it, but he's going to postpone it at least uh, for a couple of days. But we are apparently off the hook for the evening. Hmm, okay. Did he say why? What's going on? No, it seemed as though there was some sort of emergency, and uh, they shot out of here like a bat out of hell um, once once they came in. They gave us the word that tonight's performance would be canceled, and they would, uh, they would get back to us uh, whenever they return, whatever that means. So Cornelius also left town? Uh, I don't know about Cornelius, no. Uh, he sent one of his boys up here. Or a couple of them. Ethan, I think, is the name of the, the gentleman that I spoke with. Uh, but there were two others with him uh, of whom I do not, do not know their names. So what do we do now? They were on horseback and they, and they took off rather quickly afterwards. What we do now? Yeah. <laughs> I suppose whatever we do to bide our time. Hmm. Okay. Do, you think that, do you think that they're leaving? That would be great, wouldn't it? If they are, perhaps this is our chance to get out of here. I wonder how long they will be gone. That is a good question. How you seem to know your way around town a little bit. Perhaps you might be able to find out something for us. Well, I've been spending a lot more time around town. Um, and I guess, I guess the place to start is to find out how many are actually heading out of town and how many are staying. If all of them are heading out, then, then this is our chance to get out of here. Yes, yes, it, it would be. I'd better go back and um, investigate, I suppose. Ask around. Yeah, see, see what you can find out. Uh, my, my curiosity has certainly peaked. Okay. And we must take advantage of this if, uh, if, if this may be our only chance. You're not thinking about up and leaving without me. If I go back to town, are you, well, how will I know what the situation is? Well, of course not. You're a valued part of the troop. I, I wouldn't leave without you. Okay. But I rely on you to let us know whether or not it's safe. All right. I guess I'll head back to town then. And he kind of turns back and, and goes about his business as well. For the rest of you, in gathering these supplies, um, I think that we're attempting to 
take care of a need in this uh, in this case. So all four of you should roll uh, instinct to see if you can come up with the uh, necessary equipment to help Julius complete his tasimeter. And so that's an instinct roll, uh, satiate. I rolled a seven and I've got a plus one instinct and I'm rising. Okay, plus so, four. So. so that's an eight for you. The plus yeah. four and so forth, that doesn't add to your, to your rolls, uh, but that just shows where you are either rising or falling. So technically, I am falling, technically, from the t- <laughs> way back cat murder. <laughs> so I have, I have one, I only have plus one when rising. So, uh, so that it's just when rising, you don't have a, do you have a zero there? I have a one instinct and plus one when rising. Okay, so you always have a one, regardless. Uh, so you do have you do have one extra that you can add to that. And I got a nine. Okay, so you've got a ten. Um, and Julius, I rolled a five. And do you have anything to add to yours? Just one. So I have just one. Okay, and Elias. I rolled an eight and I have a plus one and a plus one. So I have a 10. Okay. All right. So Miss Tipple and Elias can narrate their outcome and Bill, uh, you succeed in yours, uh, which I would narrate for you and Julius, you failed your role. Mm-hmm. Uh, so you then broke the other pieces of the Tasmanian. <laughs> <laughs> Um, we found your parts. What happened here? <laughs> the room's a mess, Doctor. Yeah. I'm not very good with the locals. Couldn't find the pieces I needed. You receive a minus one arc. Ah! Ah! But you are still rising, so you're you're not actually falling, but you're one less than where you were. Uh, and then I will narrate uh, the outcome of that. But uh, you'll be the last one. Uh, so we'll take care of everybody else first. So, uh, Bill, I'll take care of you first. Since you have, you know, been back and forth to the general store quite a bit with um, the owner there, Mr. Um, Griffey, kind of returned to his shop to try to gather some materials from him perhaps maybe you might have sketched out, you know, a few of the things that, uh, that Dr. Julius was uh, in need of. And I'm going to pull up my picture here. Give me just one second. The little tube that kind of runs out of the, uh, of the chimney, he has a pipe of cast iron uh, there uh, at the store uh, that you would be able to purchase off of him uh, without much uh, without much issue. That's something that uh, he actually kind of had behind behind the counter. He, you know, he's looking at what you had drawn out, and you know when Julius and uh, the others were there earlier, that was something that you know, they easily missed it. It wasn't something that was just in the shop proper, but just something he happened to have behind the counter and just based off of the drawings and the measurements that you have written down by it, he has something that's long enough for you to be able to utilize for that. 
Okay. Uh, so you have that <laughs> item. Uh, Miss Tipple and Elias, you guys have narrative control over yours. Uh, so you can tell me where you go and what it is that you found. After you, Miss Tipple, ladies first. I'm going to go look in the um, crates and extra buckets of metal bits that the blacksmith keeps in the front entrance of that cave as a storage place. So, if Elias, if you want to come with me, if you're going to go look somewhere else. Uh, no, I actually have a place I'm going to check. I have an idea of where I may be able to find something of great value for the Tazanita. And do we need to meet back somewhere, possibly at Dr. Um, Randolph's uh, lab? Yes. Okay. Well, I go to the cave and um, dig through buckets and crates and just random stuff laying around. And I find, I don't remember what any of the parts were except for the V-shaped thing with the balls on it. And I don't want to find that. So <laughs> I don't remember what <laughs> There are gears and stuff like that. Gears. I find some gears. And a coupling mechanism. I don't even know what that is. So I find some gears. I know. <laughs> of several sizes and um, pick them up and maybe a few other bits of flat pieces of metal and a spring or two. See if he can use any of that. And I head back to... Uh, Dr. Randolph's food. I may have to spend a, spend a plot point for this, but okay. I remembered seeing something in the doctor's in the back with his equipment. I need to head back to Dr. O'Malley's and check on Ava anyway. So I pop back into Dr. O'Malley's office and peek my head in and Ava's hanging out with She's still not doing great, but she's got someone there looking over. Uh, ladies, everything all right? Is there anything I can do for you? You're okay? Uh, she's awake now, um, and uh, she takes a very labored, deep breath. I, I'm fine, and the girls have told me what you did, and I and I thank you. I I owe you my life. Oh, Eva, you don't owe me anything. It's the least I could do. I'm, I'm simply glad that I was able to help and I didn't accidentally do more damage than had already been done. Now you take it easy, I, all right? Uh, I'm afraid that this town has long taken you for granted, Elias. You are a man that has lived in the shadow of of this town for a long time and I, I I thank you for for what you did for me and if I make it through this I will sing your praises from the ledges. Thank you, Ava. That's that's very kind of you. And you will make it through. I know you will. You're a strong woman. You've already been through enough. This won't be the end of you. No. I hate to I hate to say this, but I do have some other things I must attend to. And is there anything bless, else? Bless you, you Elias. Oh, no, you. no. God bless you. Okay, I may be making some noise for a moment, but I will be out of here shortly, and you you can get back to your rest. I'm going to run to the back of the doctor's office because I saw a very interesting piece of equipment there that I'm going to spend a spend a plot point on. Okay. It is a 
essentially like an old school suction type device. And it happens to have a V shape with some heavy weighted balls that when it gets spinning creates the suction. And then he has some tubing that goes out. So if the doctor was treating wounds or bleeding or anything, he would actually have the ability to essentially vacuum it out with, it was like a little mini centrifuge. And when the balls get going, they kind of keep it going and you can just knock them very quickly and they keep going. And it happens to look just like what we might need for the tasimeter. Okay. So I'm going that to disassemble because I don't really know how to use it anyway. So I'm going to look at it. Oh, this looks like it could potentially be a piece that we are needing. So I'm going to uh, disassemble that little bit and haul it over to Dr. Julius. Okay. Now, uh, since the three of you, Elias, Bill, and Miss Tiffle, have succeeded in yours, you all did rise in doing that. So you get a plus one. So Miss Tiffle, you were at a minus one, is that correct? Okay, so now you're at a plus one. You you never go back to flat. Yay. And that puts Bill at five, right? Right. Okay. Now you have achieved the top of your arc. So you may you can no longer fall at this point. And at any point uh, from here on out, uh, you may choose to resolve Bill's character and he can come to uh, a heroic end. If you do decide to do that at any point, you still uh, remain in the game uh, and you will receive five plot points that you can take over the narrative from me uh, and basically become the storyteller. Uh, for however long it takes. And then Dr. Julius. Um, are you going to do like, go get a whiskey and just relax then? I mean, are you like done? You're just going to just get some. No, no, no. You guys have a great time. With the <laughs> He's still an active participant right now. No, I mean, uh, like if he took over the whole storytelling, then what are you going to do? You don't have a oh, What am I going to do? Yeah, I'm going gonna, I'm, I'm gonna to go down and get a whiskey. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> the other three have uh, have returned uh, to bring you the wares that they have found. So that certainly gets you a little bit further along where you wanted to get. But the one oh, thing that you're you. having the most of... Ladies and gentlemen, thank you so much for finding these. I can't believe you did this. I had such bad luck. <laughs> the one thing that you're going to probably have the most difficulty finding is kind of a standalone chimney uh, that you can use because that's what that big brick thing kind of looks like to me, right? Is that powered by heat? Well, of course. We need heat. It's a supplemental heated heating source. Mm -hmm. And that's going to be something that you're going to have to build outside somewhere. Probably. So what you're likely going to have to do is have some bricks and mortar probably delivered to you uh, because there's not enough here to be able to do something like that. And everything that you can find right now is, is currently in use by members of the, uh, of the community itself. Uh, and try as you might, you were not able to get any of them to allow you to disassemble theirs and, and take it where you need it to, to build what you need to build. So it's going to probably be a 
couple of days or so for you to be able to do that. So you're going to have to send a telegram to have the mortar and the, and the bricks delivered to you to be able to complete this. So bricks are my problem. I've got all the mechanical devices, but I can't find fucking bricks. God damn it. Bricks. <laughs> bricks. Does it have to be made out of brick? Can we find three little pigs? Can we make it out of adobe? Clay? Mud? Pack? Yes, it doesn't have to be bricks. I think that was our original designs because we were in uh, New Jersey, close to New York, and now we're constructing, of course, many of our buildings are constructed with brick and uh, houses are. But yes, uh, apparently there isn't a whole lot of brick here in Devil's Canyon. Well, there's lots of dirt up by the Pueblo. I mean, nothing's made of mud brick, right? Yes, the, the, the Mexican, I don't know if Pueblo is the right word, but the Mexican, the sort of Spanish conquistadors, church is made is it a church is it a church or is it a what is it it it, it was church an old compound. pueblo building that probably the a first pueblo. settlers here that okay. just kind of in the old pueblo, it's, a, it's uh mm -hmm. it's made of clay so i think we could probably probably make the chimney out of a clay that could withstand heat well there is uh there is actually an old just wood-fired adobe oven up there that uh oh, might well, work can... for your purposes Will absolutely work for our purposes. We could, so, if we built a tasmeter like around, that. oh, perfect! That's great. If we built a tasmeter around that, plus it's up on the hill, closer to the sun during the eclipse, it will be the perfect location. We don't need to move it. We just build the tasmeter around it. Would that work? You're you're welcome to do that. I can send a plot point on that if I need to. Well, thank you. We appreciate that. I can put a plot point as well. I have many <laughs> um, plots in my. <laughs> well, whoever wants to spend the plot point, spend away, because I, I I think that deserves a plot point. Would you like to, Mr. Bill, characterizing about <laughs> heaven? Mr. Bill. <laughs> oh no. Uh, yeah, I'm I'm happy to spend that plot point before you ascend. Before I ascend to the the higher realm of story control. <laughs> And yes, thank you for that, Mr. Bill. Okay. Thank you for your sacrifice. <laughs> so it will take a little while to begin to assemble all of this stuff. Are, are you going to totally... Any of the components already assembled, mm -hmm. we just need to sort of... We, it, it will take some time, probably at least mm -hmm. a day at this point, I would say. Okay, so are you going to take all that stuff up the hill and, and work tonight? Well, I'm hoping my friends will help me uh, and that we will uh, perhaps take it through the tunnels. Uh, mm -hmm. And um, I don't think I would work, well, I could, we could work through the night or, but I'm worried about this machine gun arriving from the train mm -hmm. station yeah. and, and needing to put my efforts into that as well. So um, I, I'm thinking that maybe we should all get a good night's sleep after such a busy day. And, okay. um, and then tomorrow, during the day underground, we can start to take pieces of it if people are willing, um, and if we haven't heard anything more from the gang. But we don't know what's coming tomorrow, so I'd like to get a good night's sleep. I tend to get eight hours a night. Um, I get to go to bed at 10 and rise by 6, um, if that's possible. What time is it right now in the game? 
Um, it's probably late afternoon at this point. Okay. I do enjoy an evening cocktail. <laughs> All right. Well, since we are getting pretty close to 11 o'clock, I'm going to fast forward through the cocktails. Yeah, sorry. <laughs> and put and push you guys uh, towards, you know, turning in uh, for the evening. Prior to this, Lillian, you would have kind of scouted around town just a little bit to kind of find out what the situation is on the Coyote gang uh, and, and see, you know, kind of what what the situation is there. A good portion of the gang, you know, the main portion of the gang, which consists of Roland and Ethan and Evelina, Jacques Bush, and uh, Jake Callahan. Oh, hello, Cat. Um, they took some of the some of the rest of the boys up to Montrose uh, with them to confront the gang. But they did leave, you know, a, a, a small faction of the gang behind some of which that you know are are not well known but you know just members you know unnamed <laughs> shall we say members of the gang along with cornelius uh himself he has stayed behind with nelson morrow and waverly so the patriarch of the family and uh, his son uh, are still left behind, kind of with uh, his right-hand man uh, as well. Uh, but he did send his brother up uh, with the other folks, and his brother's kind of the one that's leading the charge. This Jake? I think that was Jake, yes. Yeah. That's at least the news that you have. Now, is that something that you want to... Um, take back to uh, the magician, to the great man Coney. Hmm. Would you like me to take it back to the great man Coney? Oh, well, I mean, that's completely up to you. I am, um, I'm a little concerned because I don't want to leave my, uh, I don't want to leave the doctor's gang in a, in the lurch and get out of town. And I'm a little bit afraid that the great man Coney is going to hightail it out. So on my way out of the encampment, I actually, because I don't really, I don't really trust him. He's a bit cowardly, maybe weaselly. I grabbed my most treasured belongings in the knapsack. So I'm kind of carrying what I need. My, my roll of cash, my, the tricks of my trade. And actually I, I'll mention I actually rolled a 10 because I had seen those plans too. So as I was making my way back to town to learn all of this about the gang, I, I stopped and chatted for a bit with Eel Boy, who does one of the acts, half man, half eel. Um, and what I saw in the drawing as the triangle piece looked a little bit like the sextant that he uses and all of his nautical tools. So I, I managed to borrow that from him. It might be duplicate, you know, duplicative of what we've already got, but in a pinch, I, it could stab somebody, you know, if I need to <laughs> pop a balloon or. Yeah. And I'm sorry. I skipped over that. I apologize. I got a little carried away. Yeah, that's cool. So, so, um, I'm hesitant to go right back to Manconi with this information. I think I'll maybe just head to the hotel and see if I can um, connect up with Alice or with anybody who is, you know, 
back in town and see where we are and gathering what we need. And if it's all right, I'll have you kind of pop back by your room uh, real quick, maybe to drop off, you know, the, the piece that, uh, that uh, you had picked up from the eel boy. It's dark now. Uh, evening, uh, you know, has, has settled in. So you walk into the room and you're heading over to light your lamp so you can see. Uh, and as you're walking in, you see a flame that lights up in the corner of the room. And there's a man sitting in your room lighting a cigar. As you turn and you see that light, you see the door close. Uh, behind you, there's someone else in the room as well. He says, well, 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 quite the performance you've been given out there, little missy. I don't know how you got that whole gang, almost the whole gang to up and leave out of town, but quite impressive, I must say. Sir, I don't know who you are, but you'd better identify yourself. This is very improper. Name's Hurley Van Camp. This is my brother. Dixon Van Camp. I suppose if you look really deep down inside yourself, you know why you're he- why we're here, don't you? Maybe I do. Maybe I don't. <laughs> Playing it safe. I see. Well, let me make it clear for you. What's that? Does he look a little like this? No, he looks, and it's hard to see in 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 the darkness. But he looks a little like this. Okay. Not who I expected then. And this is his brother, Dixon. Okay. Well, Well, let me clear it up for you. Mrs. Sintagod has put a mighty fine price on your pretty little head. And yes, my dear, we have come to collect. However, fortune must be on your side, my little fortune teller. You see, it has come to our attention in speaking with the good senior Callahan that there is someone in this town with an even bigger price on their head. You see, there's a man up on the hill, a certain ne'er-do-well named Bill McLean. Old dumb-luck Bill has had his face plastered on wanted posters across four states. And we know a handful of folks that'll pay top dollar for his head on a platter. So you, dearie, are in a perfect position to fade off into the sunset. All you got to do is bring old dumb luck Bill to us, and we can tell the old missus, well, you just slipped right through our fingers. Why would I trust you? (laughs) Well, I guess you don't have to. I guess you can just come along with us right now, if that's the case. So, what's it going to be? Shall we put the cuffs on you right now? You can take a walk with us. Well, not so fast. What did you say this guy's name is again? Bill McLean. Hold up in the old church up at the top of the hill overlooking the the city. I guess I can ask around. It might take me a while. I, it, you know, we can't move around here with complete freedom. This town's on a stranglehold. Don't play dumb with me, girl. We saw you go into the cave, come back out of it. We know the back way through. We know you've been dealing with him. So you bring him to us, and we say goodbye. 
Who's put this price on his head? Who's put the price on his head? <laughs> well, four states worth of uh, lawmen and uh, some other folks who have a vested interest. You're dealing with a thief. You realize that, right? Now, I don't know what you mean I'm dealing with, but, you know, I'll try, I'll try to do what you need me to do. But I want you to know this woman that you're working for, she doesn't know what she's talking about. <laughs> Don't matter to me. All that matters is the uh, dollar sign that's floating over your head or Bill's head. And you tell me how much money I'm going to make, and I'll make it. I can either make it on you or I can make it on Bill. I'd much that? rather make it on Bill. How much is, how much is he worth? 10000 You're only five. How much do I have? How much do you have on you? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. How much do you have on you? Just figure that out. Well, do you mind getting out of my rooms? Sure. You've got till tomorrow morning to give us your answer. We'll be right across the hall. Yeah. Have a good evening, ma'am. And that'll be our cliffhanger for next time.